Having something that's exclusive and secret and puts you close to the center of power can be hard to resist. Did you know that there's nearly a million people living in the Washington, D.C. metro area who hold top-secret security clearances? They constitute a kind of security industrial complex of federal intelligence agencies and private intelligence contractors. And many of them get there by way of colleges and university programs that constitute recruiting operations funded by intelligence agencies and led by administrators at the universities with strong ties to the intelligence industry. Veteran defense and national security writer and analyst William Arkin is a consultant to Vice News. He analyzed and ranked the 100 most militarized universities in America. He's been covering the growth of the clandestine agencies for more than a decade. William Arkin, welcome. Thank you, John. So you co-authored a piece for Vice that attempted to do what? Well, we had uh, access to an extraordinary data set of material, which was the backgrounds and resumes of 90,000 people who work in the intelligence community. So from that material, we were able to extract where they went to school. And it's just the first product of this work, but we thought it was particularly interesting because as we looked at the, uh, at the backgrounds of these people with top secret clearances, these people who man the NSA and the CIA and the, and the FBI and military intelligence, what we saw was a pattern that was really interesting and that was that they weren't the Yale, Princeton graduates of old that we have in our kind of uh, uh, mythical view of the intelligence world, that in fact they were graduates of not only mediocre schools but mostly of online schools and that we thought that that was an interesting uh, uh, analysis and when we set out to do it methodically, we ranked the top 100 most militarized schools in America. There's been a long tradition of cooperation between academia and the government regarding wartime capabilities of one kind or another. MIT helped to develop radar for uh, the government and there are many other examples of that. How are these relationships different and would you say they're, they're wasteful? No, I, I, I think that first of all, let's define wartime because radar and, and bombs and bombers aren't winning the next war. So today we're in the information era and it's the information relationship that exists between the national security state and the university. So though MIT and Johns Hopkins and Penn State, the traditional Cold War schools which supported the military-industrial complex still exist, the, re the reality is that the majority of their work is in the information sciences and cybersecurity and intelligence technologies. We saw that. We also saw that of the 100 top schools that graduated, students that went on to then populate the intelligence community approximately 20 percent of them came from Washington, D.C. schools. Mm. And so that was not just the Georgetowns and George Washingtons. It was also Northern Virginia Community College and Bowie State and Strayer University. And so what we saw was a real domination of Washington, which sort of makes sense, but also exemplifies this kind of closed circle of the beltway. People inside the system, teaching people outside the system how to be inside the system and there's very little intellectual inquiry going on there. But most important what we discovered was 20 of the top 100 schools were online predominant schools 
And number two is American Military University, a school that didn't even exist before 9-11. And number three is the University of Phoenix, uh, which is in the newspapers practically every week for some financial irregularity and for the highest default rate of any university in America in terms of its uh, student loans. And so you had this strange situation where you had on the one hand, the traditional schools of the military-industrial complex, the, the overwhelming influence of Washington, this new generation of online schools that was building a kind of cadre of keyboard warriors, if you were, really contributing very little to the policy side, really contributing very little to the technology side. And it showed really a transformation of what higher education's relationship with the Pentagon and with the national security state has transformed into in the information age. Let me get some clarity here. There's an estimated 854,000 people, um, you know, that's one and a half times the population of D.C. with top secret security clearances, which is just one way of uh, measuring what it is you're trying to look at. What would you say constitutes a militarized university, that they get most of their money from the Pentagon and the intelligence budget or that they're focus is militarization and information science and cybersecurity, that sort of thing. So when we use the word militarized, we debated it amongst ourselves. At first, we called them the undercover universities and, and we settled upon militarized because we thought that it was important to make the case that what is militarized today is not the same as what we think of in our head, that it's not guns that today information is really the core of our military and intelligence capabilities. And so these are indeed the most militarized schools, which is to say they produce the most students who go on to work in the intelligence and national security sector of our economy. Secondly, they get the most money from the military or the intelligence community in terms of their research dollars. And third, they reap the most profit and benefit mm. from the veterans and the uh, active duty soldiers whose tuitions are paid for. So they're under a fan- the GI Bill. Yeah. That's and the story under, we've done on this And program. tuition assistance. Right. And so they not only profit, but they also at the same time produce. Now, what but, do they produce though? I mean, we're, we're not talking about the Alan Dulleses of the world. These aren't producing policy geniuses. Are they uh, on the other end of the spectrum, robot coders? Well, this is a really difficult question for me to answer personally, John. I'm a veteran of Army intelligence. I graduated from the University of Maryland when I was in the Army in Germany. University of Maryland is still the number one most militarized university in America. So I have neither uh, a, a kind of, I'm not saying that these aren't smart people. I'm not saying that they aren't educated. But here's the truth. Of the top 100 liberal arts colleges in America as ranked by national rankings like US News and World Report, not one of them appears in our list of the 100 most militarized schools in America. Not one. And of the uh, top academic institutions, national universities, when you take the case of something like a Harvard and then you look at who from Harvard is going into the national security community, what you realize is 
there's hardly a bachelor's degree to be found. Nobody who is an undergraduate at Harvard is going into the national security community. In fact, Harvard appears on the list because it provides executive education, mid-management level, Kennedy School certificates and master's degrees to people who are already well into their career. And so whatever influence the liberal arts, whatever influence history, whatever influence the Harvards have in this world is meager. Hmm. The truth of the matter is that most people are getting degrees in information sciences and systems engineering. We even found a school that specializes in the black budget, in training people just to be able to do the, the business work of contracting in the black budget. It's Villanova. And you would think, why is Villanova one of the top 100 schools in America that, that has a relationship with the national security state? And the answer is because so many people who have graduated with an MBA or a management degree from Villanova go on to be the green eye shade people of the black budget. We mm. see it in their resumes. So this is creating this – is, this is a portrait of the creation of a dual – education culture where uh, certain people in the liberal arts go into one capacity in American politics and government and another group goes into the national security establishment and very little shall the twain meet. Um, would you describe these schools and these institutions as a possible pathway to espionage? Well, I would in the sense that I think that there is clearly a preponderance of national security work being done in a smaller and smaller number of schools because it's less and less relevant in a way. So you could, so, plant, you could plant a spy yes, in one of these schools? I suppose you could. But the second thing is that what we're spying about today, whether it's the United States or the Chinese when we talk about Chinese cyber espionage, is information. It's, it's patents, it's ideas, it's things that are going to be valuable in the creation of tomorrow's information technologies because after all, that's the war we're fighting. We're fighting information wars. And so no one is stealing the secret of the atom bomb, which is to say nobody in Russia or China is stealing that secret. They already have it. What they're stealing the secret of are how does the NSA do X, Y, or Z or how do you crunch big data or how do you solve the problem of cybersecurity? And ironically, we're building uh, an army of cyber-capable students and, and an army of, of keyboard warriors who are not necessarily – don't think of them as people who are on the front lines, if you will. These are the people who are running the networks and who are running the processors and who are running the storage mechanisms. They are literally the infantry of our day. What this study shows us is that we have to change our view to, to think today that the infantry is no longer the hundreds of people carrying guns backed up by one or two intelligence officers. It's the other way around now. It's the hundreds mm. of people in the intelligence community who are feeding the one or two people who carry guns in the front lines. The top five again of these militarized schools? 
Number one is the University of Maryland. Number two is American Military University, an online school. Number three is University of Phoenix, an online school. And then from there flows just basically a list of Washington-based schools, George Mason, George Washington, Georgetown. They're all in the top 10. And other schools that begin to show up a little bit later are the powerhouse schools of research and development for the Defense Department, Johns Hopkins, Carnegie Mellon, Penn State, etc., because they get hundreds of millions of dollars a year from the intelligence community. You still have your security clearance? <laughs> I think they took it away a long time ago, John. William Arkin, defense and national security consultant to Vice News. And your co-author on this latest study? Is Alexa O'Brien. She's fantastic. Thank you so much.